Welcome to The Romantic Side of Suspense with Sarah Hemmerker. In each episode, she'll talk with your favorite romantic suspense authors. They will take you behind the scenes of the writing process, giving excerpts from their writing, and share stories about their writing life. When Evil Finds Us by Linda J. White When Jessica Chamberlain's friend Laura takes a wrong turn in a storm, three men trap her in a dark house. The cops blow it off as a misunderstanding, but Laura's husband Nate is furious, and Jess can't let it go. Pursuing the men nearly gets her arrested, but a link to bones her dog Luke finds in a Norfolk backyard confirms her suspicions. The Doyle family is up to no good. Jess's boyfriend, FBI Special Agent Scott Cooper, travels to interview convicted killers for a bureau project. Jess loves him, but their relationship is stalled. She decides to focus elsewhere, enhancing her search and rescue skills by learning to repel. A nasty fall derails that plan, but puts her relationship back on track. Until Scott's teenage daughter Amanda shows up and interjects chaos into their lives. Already stressed by that conflict, Scott isn't prepared for an explosive Kentucky prison interview. While Scott and Jess are still reeling from that shock, Amanda disappears, last seen with a boy named Doyle. A hot pursuit, a wild fight, and a bloody gun battle leave Scott clinging to life and Jess holding fast to her only hope, Faith. Hi, and welcome to this episode of The Romantic Side of Suspense. I'm your host, Sarah Hamaker, and I'm so glad you joined me. Today, I'm chatting with Linda J. White. She's an author of multiple award-winning mystery and suspense books, and we're going to talk a little bit about writing and maybe a little bit about her book, When Evil Finds Us. So welcome to my show, Linda. Thank you for having me, Sarah. Now, I'm super excited to have Linda because we're both Virginia girls. At least she lives in Virginia. Did you grow up in Virginia? I grew up in Maryland in the D.C. suburbs. No, no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I am a Virginia native, born and bred, grew up south of Richmond, uh, and I've lived in Virginia my whole life, which is weird. But I, I know that you live in Virginia as well. And so it's always kind of fun to talk to someone who kind of gets Virginia because it's a little bit unusual of a state. Um, I write about my I set my books in Virginia. I don't know if you do or not. Yeah, all my books are pretty much set in the mid-Atlantic, I'd say. Most of them are in Virginia. Okay. I have one that's in the Annapolis area because it's in the sailing community. <laughs> but yeah, I've been in, I've lived in Virginia for 45 years, so. Oh, okay. Well, we can yeah. call you a, a, a transplanted Virginian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so what, what do you like about spacing your books in Virginia? And then I'll share why I like about it. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. I really like, um, because I know the weather and how the weather mm -hmm. moves across the state. I mean, I lived in Fauquier County for mm -hmm. 40 years, uh, just recently moved to Yorktown. The weather down here is a little bit different. So, but yeah. I like that. I like the mountains and I like the beach. So it's got everything that I need as far as setting is concerned. You know, I, I agree. And I, this is my listeners. I live in the, um, near Washington, D.C., in the Northern Virginia area. And so I based some of my books there because there's just so many different, so a lot going on, <laughs> a lot going on in here. And then I've also started to base, I created a little town in the Shenandoah 
valley kind of off 81 and that area um, because it's just so beautiful there and I can put a little town there and I love that the Shenandoah Mountains, the Blue Ridge Mountains are there and Shenandoah National Park and other things that, um, yeah, I love, I love Virginia, though. I do find that sometimes I have to do a teeny bit of education about Virginia. Like it doesn't really snow at Christmas <laughs> you know, <laughs> in Virginia and, um, you know, things stay green sometimes a lot longer in Virginia, you know, and those kind of things. Um, I had a plant in one of my um, Christmas books that I had explained, yes, it can still be green and <laughs> your Christmas. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, cause I had, I had some beta readers who were like, well, wouldn't that be like frozen by now? I'm like, no. Well, at least they were thinking that's yes. good. Yeah. yeah, Which was good. Which was good. So I do, I do love to love to set them in Virginia. So, um, so what, where do you get your inspiration for your plots? Obviously we know that they're going to be set in Virginia because it's just the best state ever, but, um, <laughs> what, how do you find, you know, beyond the setting where, what comes first for you? for your inspiration for plots? Well, I, I have an advantage because um, my husband um, was a TV producer director at the FBI Academy for his career. So 30 years, um, he died five years ago, but we, I was exposed to FBI procedures and the, I always said, don't tell me anything secret, but I had many experts and FBI agent friends. So yeah. I've heard a lot of stories. And so um, that, develops into some plots but then also you know frankly it's things in the news I, I watch that too yes and um I suspect Linda that you're like me you see something you're and you think hmm what if <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right and then you come up with alternative scenarios to what's happening in the news um Although occasionally one of my books, Illusion of Love, it's more of a romantic mystery than a true romantic suspense. Um, it was based on a true story a friend of mine went through, and I don't want to give too much away, but if I had, if I sat there and I told you this true story, you would never believe it. Because <laughs> so I'm yeah. like, okay, well, I can write about it because no one's ever going to believe. They're going to believe some of it, but the whole plot was just like one of those, really, that happened? that really happened. And I knew her personally, so I knew that really happened. So yeah, but sometimes I yeah. did take it a little bit of a different direction, um, added my own stuff to it. But the, the, what if I think on real or potential events, I, I mean, is just so much fun as a writer. <laughs> exactly. It is really a lot of fun. And I also find that writing helps me work out things in my life, you know, things like I hear something and why is that going on? And so then as I write the book about that kind of a topic, whether it's a school shooting or whatever I'm writing about, then it helps me uh, deal with it. It helps me learn about it. It helps me put it into perspective. So I really find that writing helps me make sense of life. No, I, I love that, Linda, because I think it can be very, um, you know, it, it can really help us and help our readers too. Cause I know we hear from readers who think, oh, well, this made me think about this, or this was really helpful or this, or even I'm happy if a reader says this was just a great escape from my everyday life. Right. <clears throat> to me, that's like one of the biggest yes. compliments that they chose to read one of my books and it was a help to them. You know, I might not have solved world peace. Right. <laughs> but I, right. 
but it was helpful for them. Um, but I always find that write, writing is helpful for me as well um, because it is personal. I mean, these characters live in our heads. They talk to us. I'm using air quotes here. <laughs> and <Yes. laughs> they tell us things and we listen and we revise. And, you know, sometimes I cry when I write scenes sometimes. Oh, <laughs> <Aww. laughs> yeah. I mean, occasionally, not all the time, but sometimes you're just yeah. really like this morning. Okay. True confession time this morning I'm writing and my husband's like calling my name. And I'm like, I was a little irritated because I'm like, I was all in the scene, you know, in there and I'm like doing this and I'm like, what is this nonsense out here? <laughs> I don't know. Just my husband. Like, yeah, I know. I love my husband. He's great. But it, it was, and he wasn't trying to be distracting. It just was one of those things where I was really deep in there. Do you get like kind of really in that writing groove and. Oh and my goodness. Yes. <laughs> yeah. As a matter of fact, right now I'm finishing up the fifth book in my canine search and rescue series. Mm. And um, I'm right at the end where everything is happening and, and it's, and frankly, I've got a whole bunch of other stuff I need to do, like get ready for taxes and, you know, and <laughs> I've got a newsletter to write and I've got all these things. And you know what? I don't want to do any of it. I just want to write and write <clears throat> until I'm worked through this book. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it just, I think sometimes that can be hard for readers or some non-writers to really know that, I mean, we really invest a lot of ourselves in these books. Um, and I think that's just one of the, to me, that's one of the fun things about writing. Um, but it's also one of the annoying things about it. Cause like you said, you're like, okay, I got to do these things. These are like the things that, you know, make, make my world turn around and go around and, but I'm like, no, I don't, there's been days where I'm like, well, I don't want to do all this other stuff. I just want to write. And then I can't cause right. of life, but um, yeah, I still have trouble with that tension. Of, yeah, of it is. It is a tension. When my kids were teenagers, every once in a while, they'd be talking to me and every once in a while they'd say, mom, are you working on your book <laughs> in my head? Yes. <laughs> well, maybe I was. <laughs> oh, I love that. I haven't used that as an excuse of why I'm not paying attention. <laughs> I'll just say, I'm sorry. I was working on a plot point. <laughs> yes. Really. I was killing off someone in my head. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Someone was dying in a horrific way. We don't need to talk. And then that, then look, yeah, no, that's funny. Um, so that, so what does your family think about your writing romantic suspense? You brought up that you have kids and, and they know you write. So what do they think? Yeah, they're all grown kids. Uh, they're all, uh, well into their middle age. Um, <laughs> my grandkids, however, I live in an in-law suite on my daughter's house. And okay. first of all, she's a tremendous encouragement to me and really helps me with the whole uh, independent publishing business. Oh, and, nice. But um, her daughter, who's 12, is uh, really interested in what I'm doing. And so she she's helping me work out this current book. We're working on a particular plot point involving a school bus full of children. And mm -hmm. she's working with me on that. So it's a lot of fun. Oh, that's we so good. Yeah, it's yeah. really great that you get to share that kind of with them and have that um, as a part of the way that, you know, we can encourage the younger generation to read and write. <laughs> yes. For sure. Like, and ex yeah. yeah, express themselves and learn, learn the, the craft of writing because it is a craft as well as an art. Yeah, it is. And um, I have some, some of my cousins, their, their daughters have emailed me and sent me some of their work. And I'm like, I'm all, I look, I'm told I'm always happy to talk about writing with young, young people. 
because I I just see it as a way to, you know, kind of get back to the writing community, but also to encourage those who have those stories in their heads and they want to get them Mm -hmm. out. Yeah. Encourage them to write. When my kids were, I have four kids that are two in college and two in high school right now. Um, And when they were younger, the one summer, well, for a couple of years, we had writing parties in the summer where they would write and I would help them. And it was, it was really great, but um, yeah, it's fun to encourage that younger generation. So I'm glad you're able to do that. Yeah. Very cool. Well, we are out of time. So thank you for being on my show, Linda. Oh, you're very welcome. And thank you for having me. You have been listening to The Romantic Side of Suspense. I'm talking with Linda J. White. She is the author of multiple mystery and suspense books. And you can stay tuned to hear an excerpt from her book, When Evil Finds Us. Now an excerpt from When Evil Finds Us by Linda J. White. I was surprised that Nate and Laura weren't home when I arrived at 9 p.m., They were usually early-to-bed people, not given to nightlife. So when I got Nate's cryptic text at 10.15, ETA 10.30, need your help, my surprise turned to alarm. I was living with the Tanners, recovering from a stab wound and collapsed lung, and general trauma after an incident on the eastern shore at the end of my last job as a private investigator. Recently, I'd moved from their guest room in the house out to the tack room in the barn over their protestations. I was no trouble, they said, but I wanted them to have more privacy. I was also trying to wean myself away from the lure of their company. The Tanner House of Healing, as I called it, was a comfortable place to live. I was already in bed, so I quickly put my clothes back on. Luke, my German shepherd, was on his feet, his eyes fixed on me. I knew he was hoping we'd been called out to search. When I bypassed my search-and-rescue pack sitting in the corner, his ears drooped a little, but loyally, he followed me. Abby, Laura's quarter horse, stuck her head over the stall door as we emerged from the tack room. I stroked her cheek. I don't know what's going on, I told her, but we'll take care of it. I was starting to like the smell of horse. Luke and I walked through the rain over to the main house. The back door was unlocked, which wasn't unusual, and the lights were on in the kitchen. It looked like Nate had dinner ready. Plates had been set out on the table and food was on the stove, now cold and congealed, which told me he'd left quickly. Luke went on a scouting mission for Sprite and had come back alone. Where were they? I flipped on more lights just to make sure the house looked homey. I heard a vehicle's tires crunching on gravel and saw Nate's Tahoe approaching. I took a deep breath. Nate parked at the end of the ramp in the back. As he walked around to open Laura's door, he limped badly. He'd lost his leg a couple of years ago, and sometimes the stump rubbed sore. I saw him wrap his arm around his wife protectively as he guided her up the ramp. They both looked soaked. Hey, I said, holding the door open for them. Had she had an accident? Nate looked at me and I saw fire in his eyes. I could almost feel the anger spewing off him. I tensed up. What had happened? 
Jess, Laura's soaked to the skin, he said, in a forced calm voice. Can you help her get a shower? Of course, I said. Come on. I put my own arm around a clearly distraught Laura. As I did, I saw blood on Nate's khaki cargo pants. Blood right where his stump ended. And I knew he had to deal with that. I was full of questions, but now was not the time to ask Laura anything. I had never seen her so upset. Tears streaming down her face, her breath coming in little sobs and hiccups. Her shoulders bent forward and shaking like she was trying to curl into a fetal position as she walked. I helped her get into the shower, then I pulled out some comfortable pajamas and found her robe. When she was finished with her shower, I asked her if she wanted to get into bed, but she shook her head. So I waited while she got dressed and then walked her out into the living room. She eased down on the couch with her legs tucked up beside her. I handed her the quilt from the basket next to the fireplace, and she wrapped herself in it. Can I make you some tea? I asked. She nodded. Nate sat in the kitchen in his wheelchair. He'd taken off his artificial leg and was dressing his stump. I was shocked to see a handgun nestled next to him in the chair. My eyes asked him the million questions running through my head. Before he could answer, Laura called out his name. Nate! Right here, baby, he responded. And he wheeled out to her, positioning himself right next to where she was on the couch. I'm sorry I'm such a mess, she said, her voice quivering. Hey, it's okay, he responded, taking her hand. I get it. I still didn't get anything. I took the tea, one of her favorite herbal blends, out to her and asked Nate if he wanted anything. He shook his head. Laura gestured toward the hearth, my favorite spot. Sit with us. I sat down. What happened? She began telling her story. My flesh crawled by the time she described the three men who manhandled her, forcing her into the ramshackle house. They said I could call my husband from the landline inside. I didn't want to go in, but they surrounded me. It was so dark. They had to light lanterns so they could see me. I'm not sure the house even has electricity. I saw mice scatter, and there were dirty dishes and rotten food everywhere. Her voice seemed far away, shaky, and her eyes remained focused somewhere beyond the room. It was horrible. She shivered. Suddenly, she turned to Nate. Do you remember that family, the Mallorys, back where we grew up? Up Snake Holler, Nate responded. He pronounced it holler. That's who they reminded me of. Nate shook his head and made a clicking sound with his mouth. Pure evil. I swallowed hard, my throat tight. She continued. I knew they weren't going to let me go. 
their eyes were full of... of... I knew what she meant. How did you get out? I asked after a silence. Laura looked at me, her eyes full of tears. I knocked over one of the lamps, spilled the oil, a fire started. They got distracted and I ran, ran for my life out of that house and through the woods, ran through the woods blindly, just away. And then Nate, Nate found me. She broke down sobbing again. He, he found me. Sprite actually found you. Nate handed her the box of tissues on the end table. Sprite's the hero. Laura stroked the little Springer. Oh, thank you. Good girl. She turned to me. Nate came. Thank God Nate came. He squeezed her hand. Thanks for listening to The Romantic Side of Suspense with Sarah Hammerker. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. You can sign up to receive notifications of upcoming podcasts and listen to previous editions at sarahhammakerfiction.com.